0: And I want you to know, Elder Price, I want that. I need that because I want to be saved. Praise God. And we want Elder Price to come today. An elder among elders. And to give us the burden of his heart. I want to say before he comes. This man is anointed to solve problems. This man is filled with the Holy Ghost and wisdom. This man is a preacher's preacher. I have never in all of my life met a wiser man or a meeker man than Elder Paul Pratt.
1: Thank
0: you, Brother Martin. After all of that, I don't know who I am. (laughs) I appreciate the the uh, spirit of these meetings and the messages that we've heard. I could elaborate on each one; they've been tremendous. Special messages that I believe each one brought to us have been just outstanding. And of course, I'm happy that Brother Holly and Brother. Becton can speak to you again also this morning and uh, these are special friends and also they're men that I think stand up strong in our movement as being elders. I value the confidence that these men have said they have in the older ministers they're younger but they're coming along they're not far from it. But I do value their their confidence uh, the value of their love and appreciation but we're trying to get the approval of God is what we're really after (laughs) and uh, even elders have to be submitted to elders no man is an island to himself and no man is an authority to himself don't ever say the church is sovereign as a local congregation you're not there's only one sovereignty that's almighty God and uh, we don't want to get mixed up with that direction. Brother Gray could preach that message all over this country. Sometimes people are afraid to preach a message twice fear somebody's heard it once. John said as an elder, I'm going to keep reminding you what I preached to you some 40 years ago is still the same now. When you heard Brother Gray now, you heard Brother Gray 40 something years ago. He's an elder of our district. He's a He's one of those pillars. He's one of those bulwarks. Uh, one thing that we feel very strong about is that we don't want you to change it when we are gone. If you're going to change it, I hope you leave first before we go. If you're going to change this, leave before we leave. I believe this gospel never changes. If what you believed in the beginning was the truth and you preached it and you've changed now, tell me what time are you lying? The first time or the second time? We had Brother Trace here a while back and he got into the Greek levels on those, some of those things and the man's got a beautiful understanding because of delving into some of the most ancient manuscripts but nowhere in the scriptures that he said have I gone back to the most ancient copies have I found one thing that we preached and taught standard wise that's hair makeup the whole business but what in the most original copies I've read is even stronger than what the King James brings it out yeah. let's thank the Lord for his word right now Thank you Lord Jesus I first want to say this before I read my text I hope you understand That when we preach We're not representing just a segment of our movement We represent Jesus Christ and the word of God Sometimes folks think Well you're with this side or that side We don't have a side It's either the Lord's side or no side and sometimes when people go to leaving the truth that we preach, they tend to look back at those that won't give up and won't give in and won't bow and bend. They'd say that they got a wrong spirit. At one time, you had the same spirit. We got along together. Fine. All that changed was you're leaving the spirit we was born in and got another spirit. And Brother Bert Gray's message is powerful. And I want you to know something. Jesus Christ isn't going to take to heaven what he kicked out of heaven. I can't believe for one moment that what he preached isn't as strong as he said it and I'm sure if our Lord could say it he may say it a little stronger I feel like we're living in a day that we get so caught up in how many people we can put in bodies and put in the congregation and how successful we are Is how many is going to make the raptures with, that's how big the church is right now praise the Lord if I can title this today it's, uh, it would be Storms That You Could Have Avoided. Storms That You Could Have Avoided. And I, I'm going to preach this. Uh, I've, I've preached this title before, but it's not the same message. But I am going to preach it, and I want to say it at the offset, this is not the first time or the last time I'm going to preach it. So if you're with me somewhere else, you're going to hear it again. Because I feel this is the message that we need right now. Right now. And I don't think it's just this meeting here. I think it's for every church in the district. And I'm just going to preach it the way I feel it and leave it with you here. But I just want to tell you again, if you, if you follow me around, you're going to hear it again. And you say, well, I heard it the first time. I don't care how many times you heard it. I'm going to preach it again. I want this message to get a, a little bit of a, you know, get a hook in our jaw. To pull us back to Jesus Christ In the book of Acts 27th chapter I'll read you just a few verses Giving you this point first Paul was on board a ship And uh, he had advised the captain That this wasn't the time to really loose From Crete and try to cross the Mediterranean To a better port Now, they were trying to get to a more commodious port, you know, a a better location. And uh, they risk this time of year when storms are prevalent. and could rise at any time. He said, I feel that you should not do this. We ought to stay right here. Though it's uncomfortable here, it's not the best place to spend the winter, but we better stay here because this is a bad time of the year and you shouldn't take a chance. But the captain of the ship, it were you know you ain't going to tell me anything you're a prisoner on board this ship you're not the captain he said yes I didn't uh, plan this trip it's forced upon me but I am trying to save you some heartache if I can and of course they didn't listen The 18th verse said they was exceedingly tossed with a tempest and the next day they, they began to take things out of the ship and drop it overboard third day we cast out (laughs) with our own hands the tackling of a ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood before in the midst of them and said, Sir, you should have hearkened unto me and not to have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man, of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar. And, lo, God hath given Unto thee, all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, says, be of good cheer, for I believe God, it shall be even as is told me. Thank you, Father, for this, your word. Open our understanding and teach us the way, and bless us today to learn of you and to walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As they call this Elder's Day, I sort of kind of got to thinking, and I don't know, it just sort of come to me. What is, the, what is an elder? What does he do? Do you need them? What purpose are they? What benefit are they? And of course, I begin to see in, in the Scriptures, there's many things said about elders, and uh, it does not uh, leave you in the dark about them. They have uh, several responsibilities and qualifications. To introduce the thought just for a moment, I'd like to just bring you the attention to the fact that uh, the Apostle Paul was on a board of a ship, not of his choosing, and was not. it was a storm he did not really need to go through. He didn't have to go through it in the sense that if he could have had his way, he, he could have avoided it. They could have avoided it. And he said a lot of harm and a lot of loss of property has been uh, in the making in so doing. What is an elder? An elder is the man that'll ride with you in your storm even after he's told you you shouldn't do it. He'll come get on board of the same ship to bring him to port. What is an elder? He's a man that recognizes that you can make wrong choices. But he also knows if he can't bring you to port, you may lose at sea. And so he steps into the same storm. Takes the same wind, same gales. And finally, when you begin to listen and let him be the captain instead of you being the captain, We'll come to, to shore. Now we'll lose all that garbage you brought along and we'll lose a lot of your attitude and your spirit and your attitude and mind. We're going to get rid of that. Dump it overboard. Dump it overboard. Get that out of your heart. Get that bitterness. Get that attitude. Get that spirit. Get it out of your heart. Dump it. Dump it. Dump it. Get rid of it. You say, but I, you don't know what he's done. I don't get what he's done to you. You're going to sink if you do get rid of that stuff. In fact, if I leave you, you're going to go down now. So an elder must not consider himself. He may get blamed with you by riding with you. But he understands that until he can get you to port, you're going to be lost. Now you say, but I'm a, uh, you know, there's so much independent thinking among us that I think is dangerous, so dangerous. No man should become so self-sufficient that he doesn't need his brethren. And when four or five come to you, you better start listening to something. Now, Paul said, the Lord stood by my side this night. After not seeing the sun for so many days, the the tempest was getting worse, and battle of uh, living and life was almost hopeless, and nobody felt they would ever recover. And it looked like it was a dismal situation. And I've seen sometimes people come, and they come running and said, this is happening, that's happening, and everything's taking place. It looked like it's going to just fall apart. He goes, wait a minute. We'll get a word from the Lord after a while. You say, well, what are you going to do? Nothing right now. It's going to sink. I know it might. I had a man call my house late at night, midnight, and said to my wife, I wonder if he wanted to talk to me. And I wasn't home. I was out. And I just got in and just got to sleep. And she said, well, he's not here. I mean, he's, I mean, he's here, but he just went to bed. And uh, if it's all that important, I wake him up. She, he said, yes, he's going to split the district if I don't get him tonight. And, of course, she said, well, you supposed to stay okay until 5 o'clock in the morning. He'll be up then. He said, yeah, I think so. He waited to 5 o'clock to call again. I don't even know what his problem was now. Some folks have a little problem and they make it so big until after you get to hearing them, you say, well, you made your own storm. You made your own problem. And what I want to get across to you is that you better have an elder in your life somewhere. When you get in a storm, you better find him. There's no way for you to make it by yourself. And I'll go a little further as we get into this. There is no elder that doesn't have an elder. Right, right. I'll read that verse Brother Morton quoted to you there. I read part of He said uh, in 3rd chapter, 5th chapter, Peter says, The elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ and I'm a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And this is what he's trying to say. I'm qualified to tell you something as an elder to elders, to you that are in the church, that pass in congregation, that you're the elders of that congregation. Elders in those places. He said, I want you to feed the flock of God which is among you. Don't you take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for a filthy loker, but of a ready mind. He didn't stop there. He said, uh, I don't want you to be lords over God's heritage. I want you to be an example to the flock. Everything he said not to do can be taken care of doing the thing he said for you to do. has to be an example to the flock. The elder must be an example of what he preaches. If he says you must be subjected to him as a pastor, he must be subjected as an example to you to his elders. When a man picks up something separate from what the elders have agreed upon, and he doesn't want the elders around at that time. He never thinks about, he doesn't want to consult. And so he begins to project something on his own. He, you will find him saying to you, don't, don't go around those elders. You know, he's got to protect his, his error by not putting around the elders. And what I want you to understand is this. No man that's a pastor is free from correction, rebuke, exhortation, everything that you are under, we're under. It's an obligation of my brethren to come to me when they see me going astray. It's my obligation to hear what they've got to say. Now, he, Paul said, "If you," and Peter said, If you do this, when the chief shepherd shall appeal, you, appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that faith is, is not away. The younger ones, submit to the elder. Paul said in one place, I believe it was in Philippians or Philemon, he classified an elder as one that had some age on him. He said, don't put a novice or beginner in a position in the congregation. Let him get some experience on himself. Uh, Sometimes we put people in places that they are not ready for because any position that you get in the church, you attract a different set of devils. You attract a spirit of jealousy that gets in the hearts of others around you. You attract people with envious, jaundiced eyes. And if you can't handle that, you don't need to be in that position. So to protect you, he said, don't get those inexperienced ones. Let a little age get on them. Let them go through a few storms. Let them go through a few battles. Let them get some battle scars. If they come out okay, then you can put them someplace. You don't know what God put your pastor through before he ever come to you because God knew for him to pass to you, he had to put him through a lot of things he didn't want to go through. The elder Paul said that to Philemon, he had won Onesimus to the Lord at Rome while he was in prison. And he's writing back to this man, he said, uh, I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that also he may be of good comfort and uh, know of your state. For I have no man that's like-minded. I want you to understand that when elders work with elders, that's going to work in the church, we should all be like-minded. And if my mind is contrary to the body of elders, I need to do something about getting my head straightened out. Now I want you to understand I believe the system that God gave us is is, is the best way that I know of. When the elders at Jerusalem met together to solve a problem that could not be solved by pastors or by an apostle on the field they came together as elders to make a decision. And the elders met together and they discussed it, disputed among themselves concerning it and then they made a Resolution, and it was accepted by the body, and that became a law to all the churches. There were some elders that didn't want to accept that. They wanted to make the Gentiles become Jews, as it were, to be Christians, and so they couldn't accept that ruling, and so they went from church to church and stirred up a lot of discord. Now, every resolution that passes at our general conference may not please everybody, but I'm saying this as long as we're under subjection to these elders in the organization that is a rule that you should obey if you can't say amen to, that, or amen to that it's going to get worse as a preacher and you have a card in your pocket you're saying I'm doing what that manual says and if your pastor says we're throwing the manual out and we're not going to obey those man-made rules We need your card as well. Don't belong to something and be a hypocrite. Don't be a part of something that you're going to curse and despise and tear down to your people. This card says I pay my tithes to the district according to the record on the book. You preachers need to hear what I'm saying. You pay your tithes to the district. If you don't, you're hypocrite. It's quiet out here, friend. But I'm telling you, if you're going to live for what the Word of God says, you can't find another way to present yourself and be justified. If you can't do this, you don't need to tell your folk to pay tithes. I'd better get out of here now but i'm telling you whatever you don't perform in your part of it you can't condemn the other man for not performing his part of it well there's some more things in that this card says i don't have television in my home and i preach against television in my church i don't just preach against the evils of television i say get your television out of your house mom and dad that card says that's what I a stand for. And you say, well, I, I preach against the evils of it. I guarantee you, you will have to do that too to get people converted to the truth and get them under conviction. But eventually, you're going to, have to tell the folks, look, it's got to go. And for an older saint to go out and buy one, that person is, is already backslid. Now, I'm not just preaching to get these points. I'm saying, as elders together, we need to agree together to do what it says and quit complaining about it and go ahead and do it. We didn't set the standards by ourselves. Yeah, you know, I, I can remember the day when early part of our district there was quite a little squabble over some standards of holiness and it always makes me feel embarrassed to talk about our standards because they're so flimsy and so small and so insignificant. The hairy Christians can put us to shame by cutting their hair the way they do it. They shave it and sit on the streets and put that garb on and chant out there a bunch of stuff that, for the hour hey, if anybody backsides on the standard you're back already and the preacher is too I'm old enough to say it now and I'm not going to let you off the hook you asked me to do it and I'm going to do it you either be honest and sincere and go all the way with what it says or don't go with part of it We agreed on some things that's in the manual. We ought to do them. The thing I'm trying to get to our attention is that the elders were always called upon to get the ship back on course or to rescue it in the storm. Now, I'm sorry. I understand some of the young people feeling that elders are a little old fogey and what have you. And I've seen some that one time made a quite a little statement about, about the fact that elders and they were sort of out of touch with life and what have you. And uh, I've heard them make some disparaging remarks. I heard a man say one time he, he said that I'll obey my elder. And he was a he was a pastor and his elder was the superintendent of that district at the time. And uh, he said he would do that. But he didn't. He wouldn't. Uh, To me, he's backslidden now. Well, he's got a group of people outside the organization. He's sitting out there trying to convince himself that he's right. But he brought into the church what the elders told him he's going to bring into his church. If he did do that, he's brought in uh, people that would embarrass you to see in the platform. He's brought in false doctrine, false teachings. And he claims to be Pentecost. Now, he'd like to get his boy in, licensed with us. Because we've got a more more open field for him to be involved in than with him. I'm telling you, if you don't fit in with your elders, you're going to be isolated someplace on the sidelines. You see, the thing that I try to help you understand is the fact that there's no one of us is responsible for what we've all agreed to do. We're part of a group of elders that agreed to it. Let's thank the Lord. elders were known as Paul uh, classified himself he said Paul the aged when he's talking to Philemon and trying to get him to understand that he should take Onesimus and uh, it's unique the way he wrote to Onesimus I mean to uh, Philemon now Philemon is the elder for Onesimus and uh, Paul brings these words like this he said that uh, let's pick up the 8th verse he said wherefore Though I might be more, much bold in Christ, to enjoin thee that, which is convenient. Yet, for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee. In other words, I could command you, but for love's sake, I'm going to beseech you. And I discovered a long time ago, people can't handle commandments very well. And you don't want to stir up any more animosity than you you can handle. So I never try to drive a person into a place that it's it's this or that, Uh, either or until it's the last thing you have on the docket because there's something about human nature that if you say I have to do it there's a nature about you that hasn't got consecrated yet says but I don't know whether I want to or not and that's why I handle some people in congregation that come in they're carnal they haven't prayed too good and they haven't got their feet on the ground you can't command them too fast because they haven't got used to who the captain is yet because they've been the captain of their own soul for so long they can't change the captain yet now what I'm asking you to understand is that Paul was saying to. He said to fight him, and he said, now, I, I, I could just, you know, I, I could use my authority on you, but I won't. He said, I'm, I'm going to beseech you. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have forgotten in my bonds. Now notice how he does that. He, you can call him a diplomat if you want to, but he makes it easier for this man to accept what he's going to say. You know, sometimes I think it is a little better when you say it so people can receive it. It is kind of hard to have it. somebody's got a hard nose and a command and say, you got to love me, you got to love me, you got to love me. You yeah, what well, be more lovable. It be better for us. A little easier. If we've got to do it, let's make it a little bit better and put a little sugar on it somehow that we can tolerate that bad part about yourself. Well, Paul was doing the same thing. He was telling this man, I beseech you for my son. i want him in bonds. I'm here in prison, and uh, which in times past, Uh, Unto thee he was unprofitable He ran away from home He left you But he's now profitable unto me I need him right here Whom I've sent again I've already sent him home With this letter Now therefore receive him That is mine own Consolation My own comfort This man was to him Whom I would have retained uh, With me That in my stead He might have ministered In thy stead Instead of you He could have ministered me In my bonds In the gospel for without thy mind, I would do nothing. I recognize your authority. You're the pastor of your church. I may be an elder in age, and I may be elder in experience, but I'm in prison. I can't get to you there, and I can't. And I warned this boy. He he ran away from home. In my, in, in my prison condition, I want him back. I want him to Christ. And though he's your servant and he's your, uh, he's your slave, uh, I want him. Now he's coming back home, and I want you to treat him right. And he's trying to get the thing fixed up. He said... But I, I wouldn't do a thing without you consenting to it. Just I want your, your permission to do this. And now he said that thy benefit shall not be, as it were, of necessity, but I want it done willingly. And I like that. I don't like folks who are forced to do it. He said, I want you to do it willingly. The Bible said the willing and the obedient, not just obedient. You can say, okay, I'll do it, I'll just do it. Yeah, but wait a minute, I want you to like doing it. I want you to love it. And if you're willing really and obedient, the different spirit gets a hold of you. And so he said, I, I wanted that. But listen, watch him now. He said, but perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. He's trying to make the man to see his side of this man uh, now. And that God has somehow allowed him. He, he did run away. He came to where I was. I prayed him through. Got him baptized. And now he not always your servant. He becomes your brother not now as a servant but he's above a servant he's a brother beloved especially to me but how much more unto both unto thee both in the flesh and in the Lord if thou count me therefore partner receive him as myself as though you'd forgive me if he has harmed and wronged you whatever he owes you put that on my account and I'll repay now he didn't stop there; he went on saying, "That I've got confidence in you, uh, that you'll do it." Now he's writing this letter. Now see this man getting the letter, and it's, it's uh, here's This boy standing here, and he's reading Paul's letter. Paul isn't there. And when this man reads the letter, reads the letter, said, "I've got confidence in you. I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou will also do more than I say." Hallelujah. but withal prepare me a room I'm coming soon now get this even though the apostle the elder corrected him he knew he had a room in his house when he got there now how you react to your elder if he's your pastor or whoever he is you better have a room still built for him when he gets there Amen The little woman said to her husband Said that the prophet comes by quite often Why don't we build him a little room Here at the house He said that sounds good And they put a little table A little bed and a few things in there To make it more comfortable And they said to the prophet When he comes by that day Prophet Elder Pastor This is your room In our house We made room in our house For our pastor for our preacher for our elder what does he mean by that i believe every house ought to have room in their heart for their pastor you don't tear him to pieces you don't lord him in the eyes of your children you don't take and tear down what he preached that morning you don't give ultimatums if he doesn't do so and so i'm leaving the church When I hear folks say that, and I just heard it the other day when they say that my first reaction is don't wait until I do it to you to leave. Why don't you leave now? The reason I'm saying that is not the matter of the issue that you're going to leave on. It's your attitude of threatening. There's no room in your house for the pastor. He's He's not welcome. I wouldn't want him here. You see, when you treat your elder or your pastor, that is your elder and whatever what classification it falls in, if after he has dealt with you and worked with you and talked to you and corrected you, you can, he can still say, and I'm coming over for chicken dinner on Sunday. And what do you say about that? Come on, preacher. We got, a, we got room in our house. You're still my pastor. I love what you told me. I'll do what you ask. I'll listen to your voice. I'll hear what you've got to say. That's the confidence that Paul, the elder, had in Philemon, the elder, with the difference he had with Onesimus. You know how you solve a problem quickly? you got, you got a problem? If you come and say, I've got a problem, he has a problem, pastor, we don't agree on this, and if you can solve it for us, we'd be happy. The way you solve it is this. Pastor, I'll tell you my side. he will tell you your side, his side. And whatever you say, we we'll both will do it. It's over. And when you get through with it, it's done. But if you come in and say, if you don't, if you just don't do it my way. You know, like Brother Grace said a while ago, we've got 17 members of our family in this church. You are on dangerous territory when you use that method. you are in jeopardy with God and with your soul. The elder of that church is responsible for what happens in that congregation and if you take it upon yourself to take his place and usurp authority over him, the Lord will do with you like it did with Satan. He'll cast you out. You cannot usurp the authority. Now the thing that you have to understand is you don't rebuke him. You entreat him as a father. An elder is like a father. He's got to be someone that has more meaning to you than an office. He's got to be like a father. And Paul puts himself in that category with these people he's talking to. I say to you, sometimes to people, they say, well, uh, they had a situation happen and I had nobody to go to. That's a mark on you right there. It's up to you to find your elder. You said I didn't know where to go. You know how to find an elder? I'll tell you how to find an elder. You don't find one that's looking for you you start looking for him when Elijah passed by Elisha said don't leave I'm going with you he said well what have I got to do with you you're plowing the field why do you want to go with me he didn't explain too much but he finally decided and made a decision he said I- I'm going with you now Elijah didn't have to he didn't force him he didn't have to twist his arm he didn't have to force in any way at all. He got a, a heart that was hungry, wanting to go. What kind of job can you give me if I go with you? The only thing I've got is just pouring water on my hands, and, and when I get to go to eat, and you can pour the water on my hands. He said, great, that's a good job for me because I'm close to you. In his heart, he doesn't, he's not looking for a position. He's looking for a mind of that prophet to get into his mind, a spirit of this prophet to get into my spirit. If you have no, if you have no elders to look to, I feel sorry for you. You need to, get, you need to find one and you run hard after them till you can catch them. And you, he doesn't have to look you up, you look him up. He shouldn't have to call you, you ought to call him. He shouldn't have to worry about where you stand on things. You, he ought to know where you stand. He ought to have a mind to know everything that's bothering you and, and to help you, to strengthen you, to correct you. But he doesn't have to be all the time just watching over you and just on your back, as it were. No, sir. There ought to be a communication of honesty and an integrity. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I don't believe any preacher, me included and walk into a church and cause trouble for that pastor. And if you disagree with him and you, don't, you can't agree with him, you don't stir up those folks, you leave that place. You don't have any right to stir up the people, though your, their relatives, your friends, or whoever they may be. That man's responsible for that contradiction. He doesn't need you to go in and stir up a problem. An elder needs to have the freedom of having the love of his people and he loves them back and forth As a as a body one mind and one accord what I love about what I see in a congregation when they love their pastor And the pastor loves them back and forth. That's the sweetest thing I can tell you about. It's like a home where there's love in the house Praise the Lord. I would to God that you'd understand you may disagree with that man, but you better keep your mouth shut You may go in that man's house and see that uh, Maybe they got the living room set a little different. You like it. That don't make no difference it may not be the, the kind of a setting you particularly like. That's none of your business. You're in their house. And you're in his church. And if he tells you to do something, you ought to do it. If you can't, you better get away from the place entirely because you are responsible to that elder. Now, this is not preaching. It's just teaching. And uh, it's not something that's easy taught because you've got to go live it. Until you've lived it, your amens mean nothing You've got to live What I'm talking about Someone mentioned last night Brother Nebo's message It was tremendous And uh, Brother how All of these men have been great But he brought all about conviction I got onto that here a while back And began to look into it as well But there's something about conviction You don't get conviction You develop convictions You say I don't have a conviction You can develop one And until you get one Take mine But somewhere, someplace, you better get a conviction about what I'm preaching if you're going to be into my ministry, that this is a conviction and not just a little flimsy belief. But I'm trying to help you to understand that sometimes folks may not honestly understand why they're doing something, and they need teaching and developing. Give them time for that. But I don't, you may quit doing something that they preach against And, and you, you just quit it all together But you may do that But your heart's still back in Egypt You don't know why you've done it That's why preaching is a constant teaching Teaching, teaching To tell you and teach you So you soon learn That the garlic and leeks and onions of Egypt Has lost their taste for you And that takes time to do that Now there's a scripture that bothers me He said, those that hold the truth in unrighteousness. It scares me when I see a preacher going back and picking up what he gave up. It bothers me. Another 10 he preached years ago in a lesson that he preached on, he said, beware of the second love. It's one of them old messages he preached years ago. Whatever you love as your hobby or your pastime or your interest that may not be bad of itself but if it takes you away from your christian duties and obligations it can become a curse i am i'm disturbed when when people get some sport they like any of it and they they get involved in it and they love it and when you bring your sport to a conference and you're going to have a little tournament out here and when we have something in the district, the district thing, and you go have your sport events, it tells me you love that more than you do this work of God. If you miss the services and go play handball, God forbid, golf and, and uh, tennis, fishing, and you're doing it while you're coming here, are you going to be at our conferences be at our camp meeting or our general conference to me that is the that is the first step of saying i love jesus second you say well we're meeting with our friends we ought to meet with the friend i think when we got the affluence see, we can afford all of that we've got too much we better be back under the tents under the brush arbors when men prayed had to pray for food and the rest of that, than to have so much that now we can go out and be the affluent of the city and we can sport ourselves as being successful in the town. It's important that we understand as, as, as elders, we're an example of simplicity of the gospel. We're an example of that which is not gaudy. We should never start a style or a trend.
1: Come on. Come on, elders.
0: Just too many things I'm not trying to uh, make something just to be making it it is a burden to my heart when I see people lose their love for Jesus Christ if you don't love him enough that you pursue him I don't know how to say this and I may say it wrong Let me, I don't know how to say it you can almost be in love With the preaching part of this For the blessings you get When you preach We got to be in love With Jesus Christ If nobody gets blessed We got to serve him With the whole heart If we don't see the responses That people give We look sometimes to comparison to preachers How much response we get I want you to understand What the Bible tells us It's not necessarily How much they respond It's how much you take Into your heart And you begin to obey Jesus didn't preach The way we preach As far as the way we conduct services here but that that's all right I'm not against it I'm just trying to impress there's something got to get a hold of our hearts to keep us from doing those things it's not that you deny the people of doing it until they get a love for Christ in their heart until so they don't want to do it only then has it worked I got a man right at home in our, just in our church area well he's not there now but as long as he was in jail he quit smoking I mean he quit doping and finally prayed through and he quit smoking he quit drinking but you let him out; he'd go back to doing it. They put him back in; he'd quit. He'd get religion, start teaching, preaching to all the guys in jail. Get him out; he's back on the stuff again. Now, we want to help you to understand. It. Look, look at this: if that which you can't get, that which you can't do, and you're forbidden, but when you have a choice on your own and you do it, even while you're not doing it, you're still guilty. Does that make sense to you? What I'm trying to say as elders, we need to preach that you don't not more than just you don't do it. You need to to preach against what makes them want to do it. It's got to get deep into our hearts. It's not a matter of what I don't do. It's a matter of what I'm doing to make my heart, my mind open to the Holy Ghost and seek His face, and draw nigh to God, that I find that He's my helper when I'm not in your crowds, and not on your platforms. I know I serve a living Christ. He's my God. He's my Redeemer. He's the joy of my heart. And I don't have to preach just to preach against something. I'm preaching Jesus Christ is better than anything else I've found in this world. It's Jesus Himself. <clears throat> Let's thank Him again for it. John said I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth that is the heartbeat of an elder to know that the congregation is walking in the truth they know him and they serve him I want to close with these last few remarks about the storm you would not have to go through it if you would have listened I've advised people in counseling with them marriage problems Uh, job problems there's a lady in our congregation became uh, she's on the planning commission she's a she is a uh, oh assistant dean in the college that's got a hold of her head it made a different person out of her I'm trying to help you to understand there's nothing that's more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ my advice to her I said You're going to, when you do this, you're going to find a lot of attracting things to you. What's convincing to me, someone said, well, Daniel was, yes, I understand, and God dealt with a nation as a nation, dealt with things as armies and so on, as far as that's concerned. But I want you to know, Lot couldn't sit in the gate and keep Sodom out of his heart. If you think political jobs are going to change this world, you've got another thought coming. It'll change you. But you've got to understand, there's something about your elder. He's more interested in your spiritual soul than he is the climbing the letters in the world and successes you see around you here. I'd rather see you serving the Lord and living in a little old two-room apartment than I had to see you out in the world flaunting yourself with those people and losing your soul. We need somehow to keep the balance right. We, gl- we, we rejoice if anybody can fit some of these places. But I found most people can't handle it. It's just impossible. So when I'm asking God is to help us to somehow we preach what we call standards. Don't preach them with a feeling that it's a, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Yes, I understand, but the Lord won't accept it when it's just a got-to basis. You've got to do it because you love Him, not because you love the pastor or you love the church. No, I love Jesus Christ, and He is a holy God. He's a, he's a, he's a righteous God, and I want to love Him with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I want to be in love with Jesus Christ and I feel that that's the only way in these latter days we're going to survive I see people getting weak in their spirit they get a little weary and a little tired of fighting the battle and then I heard some folks say well made a remark uh, I wish I'd never ever seen the manual I wish that never preached against television I wish I hadn't, wait a minute, when you get that way, you mark it down, Ichabod's over your soul. If you one moment give up that which you gave to him as devotion, you're going back on your consecration that you had in the beginning, it won't work. You've lived too long with us too long, you've been with us too long, it will not make you feel happy going back in that direction. What's going to keep us there? I believe it's the elders it always has been that. Years ago when we had such a struggle and in our district just establishing it and Brother Gray, Brother Terry, Brother Clyde Haney and there was others but there wasn't very many preachers on the coast. I remember going to fellowship meetings and these men stood for some holiness and some godliness and and, uh, against some of the worldly things out here and uh, there was about five or six men that always came and they were our ministers and they would just argue with the people on the porch and in the lobbies against the message and tearing it down and, and fighting against it and, and, and it's kept on going like that. Some of these men held positions in the district but after a while if you just keep standing behind the truth uh, it seems like it just kind of come, come to a head and they just dropped out and vanished. I'm saying you, these young members preaching last night preached the word let's stay with it but let's also say why we're staying with it is because I love Jesus Christ. I'm not staying with it to be against you. The Bible said that the elders have a tradition. You're supposed to keep the traditions of the elders. And he said you shouldn't be influenced by folks that don't follow the traditions of the elders. What are traditions of the elders? It's the way that we did it before you came in. It's the way we're gonna do it when you leave. It's a tradition of the way that we handle things, the way we did things. And Paul said if they get to the place, they reject these these traditions. He said, I want you to shun them, but I also want you not to treat them as an enemy. He said, you treat them as a brother, and you keep working on them and trying to pray for them until they can line up. You don't form two battle lines of fighting back and forth? No, sir. Just preach the truth. Just preach the word. Preach what the Bible says, and let the Holy Ghost do the purging out. God will do it. And we're getting ready right now in our whole movement for some things to happen. There's going to be some shaking off. Uh, don't you get discouraged because somebody you thought didn't follow through. I believe the shaking is coming. And those folks who are not 100%, a 1,000 strong for this, is going to soon find themselves on the outer edges of life. And I'm not here regretting it. I'm just saying, God help me to keep it straight until you get too shaken because everything that can be shaken will be shaken and whoever falls off and walks away from this it means they were not with us while they were with us i'm here to speak to you today that the holy ghost wants every elder in every church and the elders that are with the elders to maintain the same thing we've had 50 years ago just like it is should be today Culture makes no difference to living godly, soberly, and righteously. Culture makes no difference whether it's Africa or America. When you live by the word of the Lord, it's no different. And I believe the Holy Ghost is calling us today to don't you forget yesterday because it'll make tomorrow better when you don't forget it.